dear Catherine, I have great hopes for this year's episode of I'll Be Pod for Castmas, though not great expectations, which might, like the cherry orchard, have to wait for another year. This Christmas in July, we'll be discussing Jane Austen's persuasion alongside what Jane Austen might call the natural sequel of an unnatural beginning. That is, the Netflix Christmas special, The Princess Switch 2, switched again! I'm Juliet. And I'm Catherine. And we're I'll Be Pod for Castmas, a seasonal podcast where we overanalyze Christmas pop songs and movies. Put them into conversation with some unlikely pieces of literature. Don't be a cringe! Join us on I'll Be Pod for Castmas on the Moonshot Podcast Network. to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I almost just choked on my drink because you said we were going to have 20 seconds of silence and then started yelling. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jane. I'm the other co-host. You forget how to do it? You need to do it again? I'm fucked up now. It's fine. Roll it. We're keeping it in. All right. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Blood of Olympus the final book and the heroes of Olympus saga i i don't usually say all that uh <laughs> it's good to reiterate sometimes it is i i think i did it last episode as a bit and then i'm doing it again uh so yeah jane how you doing today <laughs> you know i was fine i was i was psyched and ready to record you know me i was i was in a good spot mentally all day and now i've, I've been messed up entirely because of you so any Damn. mistakes i make in this episode are your fault <laughs> I'm always happy to hear it. You know, it's, <laughs> people might also be happy to hear my my brand new microphone quality. It's a very good microphone. Uh, it's it damn well better be. <laughs> so I I hope I hope this pleases your ears, listeners. And if not, I guess tell me so that I can buy an even more expensive microphone or just <laughs> do a normal fix. Uh, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think as, as ever, our listeners uh, are like listening to this and with one headphone on the bus. Uh-huh. But, you know, maybe someone is listening to it very intently for sound quality, and I hope we've made that person happy. I hope or so. You, you have. I'm still recording a fucking blue snowball with a piece of cut-up stocking as a pop filter. Listen, if I could be still recording on a blue snowball on on top of my girlfriend's box of paints to make sure it's like <laughs> tall enough to reach my voice uh, i would be i would be it was still in your desk last time i saw your desk uh-huh well it, <laughs> I, it's a treasured memory <laughs> it's garbage it's not garbage it's i don't i guess it's garbage this is probably a bad mentality to have through life but uh anyway Speaking of garbage. Speaking well, oh interesting. Uh <laughs> Not shall really. we shall we talk about these chapters? Shall I give the summaries? Let's go. Chapter twenty seven. Jason. The situation underwater is dire. Percy and Jason are being attacked by basilisks, and when Jason calls down the lightning to zap them, the giant Polybides is so angered that he does his signature move, transmuting an arc of water into poison, which Percy dives into seemingly without thinking. Jason's desperate for a way to turn this around, so while avoiding the giant's attacks, he tries to make a deal with the stim- 
the stem goddess. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> he tries to make a deal with the storm goddess Chemapalea. If she sides with Gaia, there will be no mortals left to honor her with their terror, so she should side with them instead. He'll even arrange a shrine for her in both camps, and an action figure. She considers the deal, and it's sealed when a stray attack from Polybides hits her instead of Jason. To prove her own side, she simply cuts Polybides' head off. Chapter 28, Jason. Now that the ocean's calmed, Jason sucks the poison out of Percy's lungs, and they have a moment to sit and catch their breath. Before she departs, Kempalea warns them that their blood will indeed awaken Gaia, reminds Percy that Phineas prophesied he would face a sacrifice he may not be able to make due to his fatal flaw of being unable to not act when his friends are involved, and warns Jason that he will soon be tricked and face unbearable sorrow. Great stuff! To try and get at least a little bit of positivity from this conversation, Jason asks how they're supposed to defeat Gaia, and she reminds him that Oranos, the first god of the sky and Gaia's husband, was defeated when the titans drew him from his domain and onto the earth, where they could ambush and slaughter him. Jason's got a theory that this has something to do with the to storm or fire, the world must fall line of the prophecy, and that Percy getting involved could lead to trouble. When they're alone, Percy asks Jason about what his promise to Kemapalea meant. Jason's decided to deliver on the promise the Olympians made. So, once the war is over, he'll live between camps, ensuring all the gods have their own place of worship. Maybe that'll make him get along better. He'll essentially be acting in the role of Pontifex Maximus, the Roman priest that made sure all the gods got the proper sacrifices. Then Jason questions Percy about swimming right into the poison, and Percy admits that he's felt guilty ever since the encounter with Aklas in the Underworld, where he nearly destroyed her with her own poison. So he thought maybe this is the way the fates want him to die. Before they finally go to the surface, Percy notices that Jason doesn't seem to be as injured. In fact, the wound from Michael Varus's Imperial Gold Sword has completely disappeared. Jason takes this as a sign. If he's going to fight or even die, it won't be as a Roman, but as a child of the gods, the blood of Olympus. Chapter 29, Nico. The Athena Parthenos' crew's latest shadow jump has taken them to South Carolina, and it's nearly taken Nico out. He's barely anchored the world anymore, constantly phasing through solid objects. Still, he's just happy they got Reina back safe because he's no friend of the hunters and seeing their notes saying they'd taken her put him in a true rage. They're now at an American Revolution site where a bunch of British soldiers, Roman demigods, massacred a bunch of the colonial soldiers, Greek demigods, while they're trying to surrender. Their commander was even a son of Bologna, which brings things back to the topic of Reyna's ghosts. Nico encourages her to open up, saying that the most important thing a living being has is their voice, and even sharing an anecdote about his own relationship with his father. So she tells the story. The ghosts who showed up in San Juan were her ancestors. She and Ia are the first of the Ramirez Arianos to actually be ch children of Bologna, but she's always favored the family, long ago decreeing that they would play a pivotal role in many battles. Feared pirates, navy men, and British commanders all. Then there's her father, Julian. He was a soldier in Iraq who dedicated himself to Bologna completely, falling in love with war itself and winning her heart. He was born before his final tour, and after he was discharged, he had his final encounter with Bologna. Reyna was conceived, and the goddess told him that the legacy of Rome would never fail as long as his bloodline lasted. Unfortunately, because of his PTSD, he warped this idea into a reason to turn his home into a fortress once Reyna was born, constantly watching for threats to their family. Eventually, the ghost began to appear and whisper lies in his ears. Before the sisters even knew how it happened, he too became a ghost, a mania. And when he threw a chair at Ia, knocking her unconscious, things had gone one step too far for Reyna. She grabbed the saber of a pirate ancestor and ran him through, the imperial gold blade completely destroying him. 
she'd committed patricide, the worst crime Roman can commit, and a legionnaire steps out from the woods having heard it all. Chapter 30, Nico. That legionnaire? Brace, Octavian's agent, a descendant of the god of broken bows and eternal punishment, Orcus. He's a huge asshole to them all, and he summons a bunch of redcoat skeletons to attack Reyna and Coach Hedge. Nico can't shadow travel them out of here without losing himself, but when Bryce mocks them by saying he'll bring Reyna before the tribunal and force herself to confess her relationship, the secret she gave to Nico as a sign of trust, and cuts her with a sword, Nico snaps. Chapter 31, Nico. Here's what Reyna and Coach Hedge see. Nico screams in anger. The air around them freezes. Everyone feels waves of his pain and anger rip through them like a torrent. The skeletons disintegrate, and the earth under Bryce's feet begins to swallow him. Nico condemns Bryce for trying to escape the punishment of killing his centurion and breaking his oath to the Legion. Then, he steals the voice straight from Bryce's tongue, ripping away his identity until all that's left is a ghost Nico can easily destroy. Then he collapses. In his dreams, he sees nonsense visions, Bianca turning into Hazel, Ella the Harpy chanting a line of prophecy, the fall of the sun, the final verse, Melly the Aura writhing in pain with Clarice at her side, Hades telling him to go make a connection with Camp Jupiter, Aklas saying he's already perfect, perfectly miserable as he is. Then, he finally wakes up. Coach Hedge has covered him in sports and nature medicine to save him from fading away entirely. Rana tells him to take a sip of Gatorade. He's going to need the energy before he hears the bad news. Chapter 32, Nico. <sighs> Nico has been asleep for three days. The Romans will attack Camp Half-Blood the day after tomorrow. It was impossible to move him while he was unconscious, faded as he was, and they're not going to let him shadow travel anymore. They care too much to have left him behind, so they're certainly not going to let him kill himself by fading into nothingness. He really wants them to be mad at him, though. After all, he did something awful terrible, unforgivable. But Rain has had time now to think it over, and even though Nico ghosting Bryce was a bit re-traumatizing, it doesn't make her hate him. In fact, now that they've seen his dark side and understand his secrets, they care even more about him. There's good news too, though. Coach used Melly's contacts in Aeolus' palace to get a hookup who can help them transport the statue. The immortal lord of horses himself, Pegasus. So Jane, what did you think of the chapters this week? Uh, I thought that these were pretty good. I also thought your summaries were also pretty good, given that they were fucking way longer and had way more stuff in them than we thought. Yeah, I, I think, so we, you know, we try and pace these episodes out, you know, we do four chapters or six chapters, depending mm. on, like, how much content we think they'll have, and these were, uh, there was, like, a lot of book per book happening here, I guess. <laughs> Rick Ryder not fucking around. I guess it might be the last book in the series or something. Yeah, no, I agree. I think these were good. I, I, I like them quite a bit because, uh, for multiple reasons, right? They just seem to be very character-defining chapters in general, which I think makes them, like, they're anchored strongly to those, to those like, strong character arcs. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, Jason and Nico both, and Arena even, get, all get, like, pretty huge moments in these. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and coach hedge also gets the huge moment of giving nico gatorade <laughs> i i really do like that bit like seeing <laughs> the his like joke sports medicine but like kind of actually being used for something useful mm. uh it, it's like the continuing character i guess like rehabilitation of coach hedge Again, again, it's maybe this always works. It just doesn't around the the seven heroes who just make everyone around them suck. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 
like not to get too into this but i feel you know how last week we were like these guys are like gonna get tattoos together they're gonna grow that close i feel like they really are no this is this is tattoo bit the only reason they haven't yet is because nico's still kind of incorporeal i think uh-huh absolutely <laughs> before we get into that do we want to finish off uh jason's chapters from last week i think we should Speaking speaking of rehabilitations, I guess, uh, R.I.P. our hopes for Polybity's redemption. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, whoa, what a good what a good entrance last time, and then he sort of exited right away. He just eats shit immediately. <laughs> yeah. And And we were like, wow, this is gonna be such a good fight. He's in his element now. Nah. <laughs> Two chapters. No, yeah. He and honestly the basilisks came up a lot more than he did. I, I I really enjoyed the uh, line from Jason where he said that um, the basilisks being underwater meant that uh, they couldn't breathe fire, but that didn't make them any less deadly. Yes, it does. They can't they can't breathe fire. That's less deadly. <laughs> it by definition makes them less deadly. <laughs> you like, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like if something ha- if you have a gun and a sword. <laughs> And then somebody takes your sword away. You still have a gun. You're still deadly. But you can't stab them. But yes. It, I guess in a very technical way, you are... I, if you're dead, you're dead. There aren't really degrees <laughs> of deadly. I do like him making the deal with... Um, what the fuck is her name? Kemapalaya. Kemapalaya. I, I like that scene. I, I I like goofy goofy god stuff. I like them like arguing over merchandising rights. I guess this is how you get you end up in like an expansion for mytho magic. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have to imagine so. I also this is doing the classic PJO thing of like mm. um having a very like significant scene have that kind of humor. Uh because this is like this is I think uh, the first big step um toward actually I guess making things better you know Mm. what i mean yeah like we got that with percy but the fact that the fact that jason has decided that he is going to like force the olympians basically (laughs) uh, to to honor their promise which percy just like isn't really able to do that's that's good character progression from jason and just like makes there be a lot more meat on like the themes of the series as a whole like it feels like there is actually it is actually building to some sort of like message or core idea. Yeah, and also I th- I think it makes us seem very smart because we were saying, hey, the Olympians are fucking they're rat fucking on every possible aspect of this deal whenever they can, all the way back in Lost Hero, and it turns out that like okay, Rick Ryden is aware of this and is actually folding it into like the themes of the series. So go us, we picked up on that. Oh, absolutely, and it kind of like last chapter. Uh, Percy and Jason were like kind of shitty. Um, <laughs> Percy continues like, to be shitty. Percy does continue to be shitty here, but it's it's Jason's time. Uh, per, like they both kind of like dismissed her concerns, but it seems like Jason actually like gets the problem, mm-hmm. and this really fits with his character as someone who like that's been his whole thing, right? He he hasn't like abandoned the idea of Camp Jupiter. But he has accepted that, like he li- he kind of likes Camp Half Blood a bit better, like, yeah. even though he is still, he still belong. He wants to belong to both, and y- he wants to use that position for good. Uh, and I think this really just like 
tracks in an interesting this is this actually hits like a character beat that like um I don't know where the origin of this is for me, but I really like it when, like, a big warrior character realizes that their true calling is, like, healing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's always really cool. I also can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you're right. For some reason, the closest thing I can think of is, like, um, did you ever watch the cartoon Shaolin Showdown? I did, but I don't remember anything about it. There's a... One of the main characters, uh... He's, like, this big, fiery guy who's always getting into fights, and eventually he realizes, like, oh, I have to, like, calm down and just be sort of, like, the spiritual leader of this group. And oh, that's cool. I, I feel like that's sort of what's happening here. Like, Jason isn't, like, uh, he's not, like, a Clarice, right? Wow. Um, but we've talked about his role as sort of, like, the passive warrior before. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a soldier who does what he's told. And this is him not doing what he's told anymore this is him explicitly being like fuck the highest command structure there is i'm gonna like make them accountable <laughs> exactly yeah it's really cool including merchandising rights for action figures which polybides realizes as soon as he hears that it is sealed his fate that that's the the point the part of the book where i i wrote down right rip the polybides redemption arc where he's like no not the merchandising rights it's like <laughs> okay we've given up on this guy being a serious threat which is probably fine. It's probably fine. <laughs> Whatever. It does kind. It does kind of make her big move of like killing Polybides. Be like, all right, like anyone can kill Polybides. That guy's a loser. <laughs> the fucking final boss of a son of a, a final retroactive like enshitification of that book <laughs> is finding out that the final boss was actually a chump, who can be easily killed by a, a goddess no one cares about. <laughs> The only the only way to uh, to uh, end up actually getting killed by Polybates, who has a demigod death counter of zero, uh, is <laughs> if you are like Percy, who is constantly trying to kill himself underwater. This he... is a consistent character trait. It's insane. It, yeah, I didn't think this was going to come back, but Percy really... <laughs> If you do a deep analysis of Percy's character, suicidal like <laughs> ideation is something you have to talk about, right? It's fucked up. I kind of want the books to talk about that at some point, because it doesn't seem like he's okay. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. We know he's not okay. We know he's like super traumatized by Tartarus and everything that went down there. Mm-hmm. But th- this is over and over again, even before that, of course, going into the territory of like, Percy has decided today is the day that he dies, you know? There's, like, the... It, it, it fucking starts in Lightning Thief. Like, he... After the, the St. Louis arch incident, he fucking is sitting at the bottom of that river thinking, God, I wish I could drown. I, and I feel like this could easily come off as us, like, kind of, like, joking. But I'm... We are a I'm being, bit. like, completely serious. I mean, I mean, I'm joking a little bit. But I'm also being like serious this is a reoccurring character trait and i think that's really important oh yeah definitely like the fact that he's like well i see poison i had poisoned someone and that made me like inherently really evil of course and like bad Uh um so so i need to jump into the poison and die that's what that's probably what the that's probably the ironic fate that like the fates would want me to have (laughs) he's like conceptualizing himself as like this character in a way that makes me like maybe the giants really do need to kill the fates yeah i you know maybe it would stop him from doing stuff like this oh you i also i just want to point out you phrased something very deceptively in your summaries what was that where you were saying that jason was like sucking the poison out of percy's lungs 
He does do that. He does do that. The way you phrased it made it sound like Jason was like giving him the kiss of life or something when he just used his air powers <laughs> to do it. He doesn't use his air powers. He use doesn't he use the Ventus? He d- yes, he does use Dylan the Ventus. Who we learn is his like the racist bully. <laughs> From no, I guess the girls were the racist ones, but uh, he's probably also racist. Probably the the weird bully from the lost hero who uh, <laughs> fucking like attacked them on the bridge, the dam, or whatever it was. That's uh, the Grand an Canyon. insane callback. Yeah, it's a such a weird deep cut. I'd basically forgotten that had happened. Pretty much, yeah. It makes it feel like I mean, this it makes it. The, the effect of like adding something from the first book here that you definitely would have forgotten about it's you know it's p- kind of making things sic- circular right it's reminding you it's like, like hey, poetry it rhymes it rhymes etc it's, it's fucking yeah <laughs> but just something about the idea that like Kamapalea has to be like hey uh he would really like it if you let him go instead of ha- you having to like put him in your lungs over and over again I like the idea that uh, Dylan hated Jason so much and, like, was so humiliated after being defeated at the Grand Canyon that he just, like, fled as far to the east as he could get, all the way to the fucking Mediterranean. And then who should show up but Jason fucking Grace? That's really good, yes. <laughs> the he, I, I need the book series about Dylan. <laughs> we get a lot here from this conversation with Kamapalea. Percy is such a little bastard sometimes. Uh-huh. Because he's he he's back on the Briari's like arranged marriage thing and he's like, no, you should give him a chance. And it's, it's she was arranged married to him, like she didn't have a choice. Yeah. And she's like obviously super hasn't like they haven't like entered a healthy relationship after that, right? Yeah. <laughs> she is it basically has to be like, hey, I hate that guy. Stop it. It's really weird that, like, Percy is just saying this shit and nobody no, nobody but, like, a villainous character is pushing back on it on a book that is also about how incels are bad. Uh-huh, definitely. Or- Orion because... definitely believes that the government should give him a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, he, he thinks that, like, it's his natural-born right, so I think he'd be kind of, like... Uh, he would be, feel kind of humiliated if the government had to do it because he's like oh, a hyper libertarian. He thinks that women should just come to him on their own. Just like as he passes or as he walks around, they just like grab onto him and come for a ride. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Percy, he seems like such just like a clueless kid here, which I think, I think that's what we said last time, but he's truly like, get off it, man. He's, he's fucking dumb and not in the endearing way he usually is. And we also get just so many, like, plot reminders, I guess. Mm-hmm. So say it kind she, of crudely. She no, She's like, oh, remember all these death flags we've been kind of mentioning all the series? I'm just going to bring those back up again now for no reason. Which is a lot of what's happening over and over again. Mm-hmm, definitely. Nike did this, obviously, before. It was like, hey, one of you is going to die. Um, now Kempalea is being like, hey, Percy, remember how everything is going to be fucked up for you? Hey, Jason, also, I have some news. Everything's going to be fucked up for you. I'm curious about what she means about, like, you are going to have to, like, drag Gaia out of her domain. Is, like, Jason going to have to, like, punch her so hard she goes into the air and then kill her? Well, I was wondering about that because he's specifically worried. We, we know at this point that Jason has a theory. 
mm-hmm. he has a plan that he isn't letting like his narrative voice doesn't go into it which implies it's like ultra secret right yeah the reader doesn't know about it what what he's saying here is like he's pretty sure percy being there would only make things worse which is really interesting i think jason's gonna try and sacrifice himself or something you think so? Yeah, because I th- this is this is Percy's whole thing is that he doesn't like letting people do that, and I think I think Jason yeah. has picked up on that and he's like, this is going to be a problem. I it's probably going to end up being that Frank has to like hold Percy back while that's happening. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, that was kind of the whole deal with like Annabeth and Percy's. Uh, that was part of what they had to like learn, or especially what Annabeth had to learn in Tartarus, mm-hmm. like she had to like sit back and let things play out and Percy's still not the person who's able to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I I could see that for sure because like if we're talking death flags, Jason's definitely throwing up a lot of them. <laughs> he's like talking about his big dreams for the future, like how he's going to make the entire world better. Um he he's mysteriously completely healed without having to take any of the medicine that they spent the entire book collecting so far. Uh and like he he was already kind of like an anomaly who was kind of retconned into the series which just like i think primes you to be killed and also he does drop the title that is also true he's talking about the blood of olympus that he has and will probably end up getting spilled everywhere when he dies maybe yeah i that that would be sad jason is a good character yeah he title drops like hell though like I, I i think this like him talking about like i'm gonna i'm not gonna go out like a roman i'm gonna go out like a fucking like just a hero like not like, not even like a hero but i'm gonna go out with like carrying this legacy and doing right by it that's good shit he's come so far i'm I, i'm proud of jason i'm proud of jason too I, I it's funny how we keep going back and forth though because like two episodes ago we were like yeah it's 100 percent gonna be leo <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's both of them. Fuck Maybe that's the, to, the to final Joker move that gets pulled on us is like Jason heroically sacrifices himself and then they go home all sad and then like Leo gets hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Riordan has truly just like entered his nihilism era. <laughs> Why the fuck is his injury gone? Just like, like. I guess because like his soul was injured, and now he's like resolved the two halves of himself that he was torn between, so that's healed his soul. I guess so, but what was the point in that case? Uh like what was the point? Not of the injury, because I get the injury, but what was the point of the fetch quest? No, no, because the the point of the fetch quest is not to like get something to heal Jason. It's um, because the uh, they've basically been told that, like, someone's gonna die unless you have these specific ingredients that will stop them from dying. Like, at, at, at the end, with, like, the, the prophecy when they're fighting Gaia or something. Was my impression of what was happening. I see, I see. I think I got those two things confused because uh, it also seemed like Jason was gonna die from his wound. Uh-huh. It would, it would be really funny if we wasted half the final book on a fetch quest that ended up not mattering. <laughs> that would be- I, I have to assume Rick Riordan is smart enough to not do that. <laughs> Uh, do you have much else to say about the, these chapters? I think they're really good, is what I'll say. Oh, I guess uh, the other thing is just, like, it's... I, this really plays into, like, what Jason is going to be doing later, and, like, especially his thing about holding the Olympians accountable. It's so easy for him to get Kimopoleia onto their side. And I think that that is, like, that's very deliberate. That Jason has to say, like, three nice things and give, like, a, a couple of, like decent guarantees of like her being able to like get a stable source of worship and stuff and she's all in she's back 
And it's like, the, the Olympians are such, like, horrific, self-centered, neglectful pieces of shit. And it'd be, they keep fucking themselves by, like, screwing over the minor gods and continually giving them reasons to, like, betray and backstab them. And they could just not. And they seem to never learn that lesson. This is, yeah. It would be a lot easier for Jeff Bezos to, like, like there there would probably be, like, a couple less unions in the world if he, if he like, like, had a degree of artificial niceness in yeah. Amazon, right? <laughs> um, but, like, you can't even bother to do that. Like, the Olympians don't even fucking, uh, they don't even care to make it seem like they give a shit about their little peons. Maybe maybe the Titan War wouldn't have come that close to killing all of you if the minor gods had any investment in the uh, power structure that you set up. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and I think this is where I kind of, like, it seems like the, not the usefulness, um, the usefulness of it for this current, uh, like, reading analysis of, like, the gods as parasites feels like it sort of steps back to let something else take, uh, take the, like, reins, right? Yeah, definitely. Less, less like, cosmic parasites feeding off human belief and more, like, a, kind of a, a big, big power structure. Yeah, because... Like we were kind of conflicted about this before, like what because Kimapalaya has so much in common with like Percy, yeah, uh, that at this point, I think we are the reading here is like uh you just could like they don't want to do these things or doing these things because they're offered like the big like the vaguest semblance of a humane treatment, I guess. Mm-hmm. And once you point out, like, hey, actually, this is going to suck for you because, like, the argument we've been making over and over again, like, a guy is going to fuck everything up. Nobody's going to be there. Uh, you make that argument to them. You say, hey, I'll help. Then they actually come to your side. Yeah. Like, it's that easy. <laughs> so I wonder what the rest of this book is going to be like at that point, because it seems like to me this seems like a big turn in that like they should just figure out that they should be able to do this with all the gods you know yeah i this this feels like the kind of thing where it ends and you're like we should kill the olympians uh-huh, uh-huh absolutely <laughs> which is what we've been gunning for for since day one well it'll either be that or like uh we finally figured out the correct reform <laughs> uh yeah yeah i but I'm, I'm excited to see where we go in the future i, I imagine it won't be quite that easy probably not <laughs> Speaking of things that are not easy, uh, Nico. Oh, Nico. Our poorest boy. The poorest little meow meow. Also, maybe the fucking coolest character in this series after these chapters. Of course. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I want to get right into that because there's a lot to be said about how Nico is drawn as this character who is like, he isolates himself, he's very sad, he's very mm. lonely. Um, he's kind of edgy. He will be, you know, biting. He will be sarcastic. Um, the thing that he has rarely been up to this point in the series is like the most fucking terrifying thing we've ever seen. Uh, but that's what he is this week. <laughs> uh huh. Do you want to go into that a little bit? I. This is maybe okay. So Nico just straight up kills a guy. <laughs> With... Worse than that. <laughs> I know, but like baseline, that's what's happening, and then he does it in a really horrible way. Well, he spends he spends a chapter talking to Rain about like, oh, your voice is the most important thing that you can have. It's what lets people know that you're alive. And then he fucking traps this guy, asks him what his name is, and takes away his ability to answer, and then fucking damns him to hell. 
Yeah, not I. I didn't even read that as like damning him to hell. To me, it read on like completely obliterating his soul. Uh huh. <laughs> like the description of him like destroying the ghost or whatever made it seem like he is fucking gone, though, gone forever. This rips so hard. <laughs> it rip. It's awesome. It's the descri- like Nico being just like this terrifying entity this is we we rarely this is something we we compliment when it comes up with like percy yeah um when we get to see just like how scary it is to be so powerful but Mm. we've rarely gotten that with like children of hades and here we finally do and we see that it is just like everything that people who are like ah hades he's the fucked up guy everything that they thought is uh it can be true it, no. it can be. This is why people are fucking terrified of kids of the big three. Yes. <laughs> I I can't read this without thinking like Nico is doing this sort of like it's implied that he like, you know, he doesn't remember any of it. But I can't I, I can't imagine that he wasn't doing this at least partially as an act of self-sabotage. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is him coming to the point where he is so angry that this relationship that he's finally formed, this like significant emotional relationship he's finally formed with someone has like gotten to the point where they really truly just like trust and care about each other, but he can't go through with that. Right. Yeah. Not to draw like too close to an example of like, just like real life things that happen, but this is like when you get in a really bad spell. So you send your best friend the things you know, like they're like, uh, all right, good, like that you think the things you know will upset them on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why you're sending me those Gundam Seed memes the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it's no coincidence that he tells that Reina tells him all about her dad turning into a ghost, and he talks about the importance of a voice, and then he just does that right in front of Reina. Yeah, like there there has to be an intention there. Um, at least like to a degree, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is a part of Nico that is trying to self-sabotage. And I think that is, I feel like that is, you very rarely see that kind of incredibly like deep character writing from, a, from like a, I guess, children's novel. Yeah. But it's, it's completely like in line with like who Nico is and how like genuinely terrified he seems to be of like any kind of emotional intimacy. Yeah, actually, I want to amend my statement. It's not that you don't get character writing that is that deep, but you rarely commit to where you're like, okay, this means that this person would at some point do something that is horrible, right? Yeah, like it. It again, Nico kills a guy. Nico kills a guy. He a bad guy, but <laughs> but a guy, a guy who we know is like, and this is part of my problem with these chapters. Um, mm-hmm. It has a lot of opinions on like not opinions but it makes a lot of statements that are like hey isn't it fucked up when people are insane i i listen we're complimenting these a lot and i was waiting to get to it later but a running theme that seems to be emerging in this book is that if someone is sufficiently mentally ill killing them is not murder yeah that's what happens here with bryce who shows up and quickly he just says all the like check mark things Mm -hmm. right um he's like i love torturing little animals he, he's a tv um, now he's a tv psychopath he's a criminal minds villain <laughs> yeah he, it's he should be on fucking riverdale and <laughs> there is there's a degree to which like this characterization it, it is supposed to make him like the target right mm-hmm. 
he's the Joker, and because he's the Joker, it's okay to beat him up. Yeah. Um, and kill him also. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing kind of happens in the story with what's his name, Julian. Uh, Reina's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Where like Reina is kind of tearing herself up about you know the fact that she's a patricide, and Nico is like, no, 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 you're not. He was crazy. He turned into a mania, and that means that it wasn't really patricide when you killed him. Yeah. Which is there's hell of a thing to say, Nico. There's a lot of things you could say there, like, hey, you know, you're you're protecting your sister. Hey, you know, like uh That's self-defense. You, you had to do it. It was self-defense, you had to do it. You know, there's a lot of th- but like, hey, he was crazy, so it was okay <laughs> is just a wild thing to put to writing. Uh-huh. <laughs> we should get into this story probably. It, it really opens up Rain as a character, doesn't it? It definitely does. It also has some very insane stuff in it, I think. So this idea that Reina's family is like, they're all fucking, they're all like great warriors. Like they're super famous pirates. Mm. I looked at this. I think this is a real pirate. Um, all right. I, uh, Navy people like the I think she said like the first Latino uh, Navy man or something like that mm. or Navy c- commander and also uh, Benny the Butcher mm-hmm. interesting name this is a family that is that only cares about war and fighting right yeah yeah you can see you can see how both Reina ended up as a Praetor and he ended up as Queen of the Amazons exactly exactly yeah it it gets into the story the the this whole story about like I think Rick Riordan is actually doing something kind of interesting with like apart from the depictions of like this is what PTSD will do to you which you know there's probably some discussion to be had there mm-hmm. but his just like the idea of like hey yeah this guy who went to like the war in Iraq fell in love with war like he like worshipped the idea of war uh that not to be like rick riordan is the bravest u.s writer or whatever but like i feel like it would be a a few years yet until people are like okay to be like well they were all heroes who went there for the right reasons right (laughs) well because that's this is definitely a shift from like um this is um that is what was written about frank's mom who went to afghanistan and fell in war with air fell in love with aries but is not portrayed like unsympathetically off the back of that yeah oh my god Rick, Ry- Rick Ryden is literally a, I support the war in Afghanistan, but not the war in Iraq guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you're right. Oh, my God, you might be right. Oh, I actually hadn't thought about that, but that is an incredibly direct parallel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just an inverted version of the story. Whereas, like, Frank's mom died overseas. Uh, I feel like jumped on a landmine or something, on a grenade. Jumping on a landmine is not self-sacrifice. That's just a dumb way to die. <laughs> she got fragged (laughs) she got kaplooied and uh he i think it is implied here that his spirit died while he was overseas Mm -hmm. you know before we even get into that though but i I really like that nico um like has this instinctual reaction to like fanboy when reyna brings up that she's related to a famous pirate it's very it's very good I think I think this this also adds yet another layer of just like oh that's kind of funny to um, uh, Toby Stevens being Percy's dad in a TV show because now of course Nico fell for him he's the son of James Flint. <laughs> 
and he even brings that up here like he associated poseidon with like oh it's the ocean like pirates this percy guy is so cool <laughs> but what what's some of the i guess what, what's some of the some of the i guess weirder stuff in here that you'd say uh well this is this is fully i think as, as much as i do think there is there isn't uh a, a good deal of validity to what you're saying about like you know it's it's kind of a big move for rick ryden to be like yeah this guy went to iraq and actually fucked him up and he was a bad dude uh-huh. uh i think there there is also that element of the like the this sentiment that occurred a lot around the war of terror which was like wow it's so fucked up what this does to our soldiers it's it's terrible what going over there and droning babies does to their mental health because like Nico, Nico is like, oh yeah, I I can relate. I had a buddy uh, whose dad went oh on the uh, Ethiopia uh, campaign under Mussolini, uh, and he was never the same after uh, mustard bombing all, mustard gassing all those civilians. A literal thing that is written in the book. Yes, and there's like a couple of different things happening here, which is like <laughs> you're completely right. Um, but I also like there. It feels like there's something so intentional happening with like. Nico in his brain being like, oh yeah, the war in Iraq sounds exactly like what Mussolini was up to. You know what? That's a fair point. I hadn't considered that. But yeah, that is kind of a ballsy parallel to be drawing. However, it's kind of ambiguous to me, right? Because mm. uh, it's it's it, I think it, it's doing exactly what you're saying, but it's left sort of ambiguous. Like, did he fall in love with war before or after? Mm, you know, true. He, like, uh, because there's that that creates two different readings two that can work in parallel but that creates two different like uh characters one is the guy who goes over because he's such a fucking sicko he just wants to kill people right (laughs) uh and one is like the guy who gets he like you said he gets warped by war it's a shame what it does to our to our boys Uh, yeah and i'm not quite sure which one this is going for usually just because rick riordan's Rick Riordan has a reputation that precedes him when it comes to politics. I'd probably lean toward the latter, yeah. but there is st- stronger evidence for um, stronger evidence for a more critical reading than I would ex- expect. Yeah, definitely. He's he's th- this is this is in many ways insane and also like more pro war on terror than I'd like. But it's like it's certainly not being uncritical of it. And then the PTSD. Yep. <laughs> People with mental illnesses, as we said. Uh, they're broken. They, they're broken. They're crazy. Jason's mom, crazy. Uh, Raina's dad, crazy. Sign them off. D- doesn't matter what happens Beavis to them. Beavis or whatever the fuck his name is. Be- Butthead? What? No, what the fuck is the... Bryce. Is it Bryce? Oh, Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> Beavis. <laughs> I don't know. He shows up for like two chapters and then Nico fucking kills him. Do you expect me to remember his name? I guess I don't know. Uh, this is this is the same. Uh, this is the this is the rich boy who uh, who like Octavia and like was like I'll I'll kill you, I'll I'll make your family suffer earlier in the book. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like he's yeah. he killed a centurion, but they covered up the evidence well enough that uh, he never got the death penalty for it. And he's also from a rich family. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that Nico didn't give him what was coming. Oh, of course, of course, and I. <laughs> I'm not inclined at all to give Rick Riordan the sympathetic reading here. No. That's actually what I'll say. Um, this does just seem pretty straightforwardly like uh, you have something inherently broken in you once you are mentally ill. Yeah. Or like mental illness 
is equivalent to something that is inherently broken. There, there There's a, a line being drawn there that is I'm not super comfortable with. It's always insane when this comes up in these books because they are like... Like, foundationally, one of the things that these books started as being about was about how, you know, people with neurodivergence are not, like, lesser. Yes. But apparently Rick has a, a massive blind spot for that when it comes to, like, mental illness. And that's it. It should be, like, very easy to draw a line between these two very closely related things and be like, uh, oh, maybe I've, I have fucked up views on this other thing. It's the scary mental illnesses, right? Yeah. It's 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 you know the you know the quote-unquote scary on illnesses it's uh if someone is you know like a real fucking freak a real sicko if someone's a real batman villain uh <laughs> then you can write them off completely if they are if they're like phineas was depicted like you know if they're just some like smelly homeless guy yeah. who's crazy then you know write them off entirely you, you may as well force feed them poison and let them die mm-hmm. um which percy also percy did percy do that did. Percy's not covering himself uh, in glory, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um so I think this is just one of the fundamental one of the fundamental problems with Rick Riordan's writing is that he just has that huge blind spot where he does not care to even slightly investigate. I hope he gets over it. He's gotten less racist. <laughs> yeah. Like especially if you look, if we if you stretch the timeline back to like Big Red Tequila, he's definitely gotten less racist. So maybe he'll become less like shitty about mental illness over time. I hope he does. Yeah, maybe the fucking daughter of the deep or whatever will have like some incredible story. <laughs> maybe uh, the villain will like, be depression. The villain will be depression. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the hit new indie book by about the the quirky new indie book. Uh, <laughs> about depression the, this, this daughter of the deep inspired by undertale and earthbound is it's gonna be like a big black cloud that lives at the bottom of the ocean you think it's gonna be like a fucking the adventure zone yes uh, God. this is it'll be exactly like ether C, I say as someone who got two episodes into ether C and then dropped it because I was bored god ah uh. But we're not a podcast that talks about the Adventure Zone anymore. <laughs> but we could be. Oh, Christ, I guess we could be. <laughs> I I feel like if there are two podcasters out there more like equipped to become the like the Adventure Zone re-listen podcast, I feel like we're it. <laughs> I don't think we are because I think we would get bored of that concept very quickly. I I do agree. Uh, we should go into Nico's dreams though. Nico says that these are like nonsense dreams and he can make no sense of them, which is very strange to me because these are very clear cut in some cases. Yeah, they're mostly pretty straightforward. The weirdest one is like Bianca turning into Hazel, but that... even that is like a pretty clear metaphor. <laughs> oh, I can't make sense of what it means that Bianca is uh, sitting with the, the uh, hunters of Artemis and kind of ignoring me and laughing with her new friends. I don't know what kind of residual like lingering trauma this could be about. Yeah, so that, that one happens. Ella the Harpy shows up just saying what I assume is a line from the new prophecy for the next series. <laughs> you think he's doing that again? He's just dropping in the next great prophecy before he's even finished. I mean, I'm, I'm like forcibly pushing you into the prophecy prediction corner right now. Read this, the fall of the sun. Uh, let me find this shit. It's, it's two lines, the fall of the sun, the final verse. Oh yeah. No, that's just Apollo, isn't it? That's just Apollo. The fall of the sun, the sun, double meaning. Nico isn't like seeing it written down. Yeah, that's 
Also the final verse, lol, Lamau, we know there's another PGO book after that. Well, at the very, but also we know that Apollo is like, he, he, part of his thing is poetry, right? He's a SoundCloud rapper. He's a, he, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, finally, the final fucking verse he puts out. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm like 99.9% sure this is just like, hey, there's another series. Yeah, we he, he's really going heavy on the trials of Apollo foreshadowing. Yeah. What the fuck um, did Apollo do exactly that got him kicked out, I wonder? I I have to assume we'll get into it because they have just set up like you'll have to visit them. Mm, true. I'm like, what what could he possibly did they finally find out about the thing from the diary of Luke Castellan? Maybe. <laughs> I think they'd be like, that's awesome. I don't know, maybe that's, that's like, like the most the sickest, most fucked up thing one of the gods has ever done. And they're like, no, that's over the line even for us. Maybe. And then there's Melly the Melly the Aura, who is maybe giving like is maybe uh giving birth. She's either giving birth or dying of psychic brainwaves because Gaia is awakening or possibly both. It sounds like a, a difficult experience. Yeah, Clarice over and over again is like waiting at next to dying people's bedsides throughout this <laughs> franchise. Oh god, she is as well because of that uh, that guy she had a crush on when he came back from the labyrinth. Yeah. Which, you know, we've we've never we've never seen Clarice with uh, Chris Rodriguez, which I choose to believe is because she's still in mourning about Silena. Uh-huh. I yeah. I I bet so. Oh man. <laughs> I miss them. Yeah. Go listen go listen to our fucking Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends episode. <laughs> Yeah, we should have just did, like, write our AU of that, didn't we? We did, yes. <laughs> um, Haiti, we see the part where Hades tells him to go, like, it's not, it's pretty short. It's just, like, Hades being, like, you have to make a connection with Camp Jupiter. And Nico being, like, why? And we don't hear the answer. <laughs> oh, actually, that's, that's, a, that's a thing that um, comes up earlier in these chapters that I actually really liked between Hades and Nico. Which is like we're continuing that Hades is actually kind of secretly the best god. Yes. Thing, where he Nico's like he's trying to like open up to Raina and he's like telling her this anecdote about like yeah my dad got me like this uh, skeleton chauffeur because he was like and it scared off everyone I tried to become friends with and it was kind of really horrible and creepy. But the reason his dad got it for him because it was because he was like oh yeah uh, you're gonna like you'll be able to impress all your friends by being able to like drive them around and go out in the town and stuff. <laughs> and it's like he doesn't he doesn't get it, but he's trying. That's a, it's incredibly endearing, right? It's, he's he's you know what Hades maybe not a good dad, but he's at least not an absentee dad. It just makes him sound like the kind of out of touch guy who's trying. Yeah, absolutely. Which is more than can be said about any other <laughs> fucking parent, absolutely. like any other godly parent. Like Poseidon has would never do something like this for Percy. He would never give him a little seahorse to ride around <laughs> New York on. He might, actually. He would do that, but only if there was, like, something in it for him. If he was like, Percy, I need you to go around and make peace with the river spirits again because I pissed them off. Uh-huh. God. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I guess speaking of character rehabilitation, the one for Hades has really just really hit for me yeah i think i think it's it's we've we've come a long way from dad of hitler and also osama bin laden uh-huh. <laughs> he's he's a he's a he's a grown character now 
Uh, and then there's the final one. It's it's Atlas. This is a little bit much, maybe. I, it, I I'm not. It, it kind of like stands on the line between like on on point and uh maybe a bit too on the nose mm-hmm. uh a- being like oh i can't even do anything to you nico you're already miserable enough <laughs> which i don't know i feel like there there is a there is a certain there is a certain kind of like down in the dumps you can be we're hearing that no you are you are the saddest little meow meow on the earth nobody has it worse than you is actually kind of something you want to hear yeah <laughs> it's affirming right uh-huh it's like, it's a, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe Nico remembers this fondly in his darkest moments. <laughs> oh, he, got, he got to be the goddess of misery's saddest little meow meow for a day. <laughs> but you know what else is affirming to Nico? Uh, having two genuine friends for the first time in his life. Yeah. It's so sweet. Who would have fucking thought that the <laughs> relationship between Nico, Reyna, and Coach Hedge would be, like, the highlight of this book so far? I have so much egg on my fucking- I have a whole omelette on my face right now, because I said at the end of House of Hades, like, oh, this feels like three characters who are being chucked together just because, like, that's who's there. I don't expect anything compelling to come of this. <laughs> you were wrong as hell. I was. I, 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 will, I will freely take the L on this one. Me uh, interrupting your silence at the beginning of this episode and confusing you retroactively went back and made you say something ridiculous. <laughs> That's how off my feel game to, I was. Feel free, feel free to blame me for that one too. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're like, this is just like a great scene. Him basically doing kind of the thing that goes along with like what I was thought, this kind of self sabotage mm. him basically being like, well, you should hate me right now. Here's all the reasons you should be really mad at me. I mean, don't you remember how I like threw your trauma in your face? Like you should be mad at me. And they're like, Hey, you know, I'm, I was upset, but you know, you're I think, my friend, I, I care about you. I think it does support your like self sabotage reading that Nico is not like sitting there quietly being like, God, I hope none of them thought about that. And is instead like, Hey, remember this awful thing and how I reminded you of it. <laughs> Yeah, he's still doing it a little bit, right? <laughs> um, and but Reyna is like, she's doing the, I guess, sort of the big sister thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just genuinely very sweet, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 nothing uh, too complex. They're just like you know, with with you you've been forced to like spend time around people, and that unfortunately means that you form bonds with them. Get used to it. <laughs> It's and it's done really well through this recurring thing of like, I think you could read this on the surface and be like, this is kind of a fucked relationship a little bit uh-huh. because all all they're experiencing and the the primary way of experiencing this and I actually like this personally, is that over and over again they are feeling Nico's pain, mm. like that is the primary way they are bonding with him is by learning about his his worst emotions, but I honestly feel like that. In combination with, like, his attempt to um, sort of help her open up in the last chapter really paints this picture of, like, hey, sometimes, like, sometimes that's how it is. You know, somebody, like, really, when you learn about someone and truly care about them, there is a lot of pain you have to deal with, like, that will come to you as well, you know? Sometimes, sometimes one of the squad is going through a rough patch. And that can make everyone in in the squad hurt, but, like... (laughs) it hurts less because they're all carrying each other, right? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, it 
that there is like the unsympathetic reading of this relationship but i think it's it's a very deft move to like have nico really trying to like reach out to he- and help reina before this happens to like really emphasize no this is like these these like people who care about each other and are helping each other definitely and i i i marked out a little bit for the ending of this i i I don't know why, just like hearing like we've got Pegasus to help. I this is it like <laughs> the fucking like wow, I recognize that uh instinct in me rose up harder than it ever has and I was like, Oh, it's it's everyone's favorite flying horsey. That's not my favorite flying horsey. Where the fuck is Blackjack? God, I hope he's there. <laughs> and who could forget the best character of all, Pork Pie? This was who the fuck was that jason's flying horse no that was someone no that was just one of one of the random pegasi that blackjack was friends with and who would sometimes like help percy out with stuff oh yeah okay (laughs) well let's i guess i i feel like it's actually like 20 times more likely we get pork pie than we get blackjack probably (laughs) well on that note anything else to say before we wrap it up jane uh i don't think so i think we just have not cishat left to do and then we're done this percy jackson character is not cishat i am oh, also, going to give it uh-huh. uh l americans get wrecked because the, the whole the whole the whole battle takes place on the site where like a bunch of redcoats shot some american revolutionaries major l <laughs> i love how like <laughs> in, in like a less dense episode we would have spent 10 episodes um <laughs> we would have we would have spent 10 minutes talking about how british soldiers roman uh colonial soldiers greek <laughs> it it doesn't even phase us at this point it doesn't even phase us we didn't even bring up that like there's a shop selling confederate flag t-shirts and like shouldn't Raina want one of those <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> i'm sorry I, there's some there's something romans bad guys from the romans are always whatever the american view of history considers the bad guys uh Uh greeks are always the good guys uh also yeah there is something about nico just seeing a confederate flag and being like that makes me uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) yeah fuck not cishet this week i'm going to give it to oh this is really hard uh i'm i will give it to jason Mm. uh jason is now do i all right listener choose your own adventure option a <laughs> lol jason sucked uh J- jason uh sucked the per- uh the poison out of percy he he gave him the kiss of life lol um <laughs> option b like you know there's something there with like jason is uh slowly learning that he does not have to like fill this sort of like masculine artifice that he has been passively letting happen his whole life um Mm -hmm. uh and is instead like letting himself be more true to himself like there's something there maybe uh what's something uh i i i would i would point out the um uh becoming resigning from being a roman soldier statistically makes you less likely to be gay Uh uh-huh i guess so (laughs) but you're right more Uh, likely to be trans (laughs) no that's true I'll give it to Bryce. Getting, now, getting 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 down to the underworld for all eternity. That's 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 a, that's some gay shit. I guess so. Are you saying <laughs> that this is like Nico's internalized homophobia manifesting? <laughs> I hadn't he's thought not, of that, but now I am. He's not just condemning him. He's condemning him for much more than just breaking his oath. <laughs> 
Oh, he killed that centurion in the lover's spot. It was real fucked up. God. <laughs> um, well, now that Jane's opinion on what gay people are like is out there, um, <laughs> let's, let, let's, uh, instead take it to the close. Uh, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find them at OC Remix. Uh, our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore N on Twitter. We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. We've got a lot of amazing shows. You can find us at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. You want to find things like uh, romance novel reviews or even uh, wonderful tales of Christmas in July. You can go there. Um, if you want to find us, you can go to twitter.com, coast.com, tumblr.com, slash girls, where for... Uh, your viewing pleasure. You can see our updates, any visual companions we post. Uh, just keep track of like our socials, our email, link to our Discord server, all of that stuff. If you want to support us, you can leave a five-star rating and review. You can uh, tell a friend about us. You can even go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where for just a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For three dollars a month, you can get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, we have just started reading. Uh, we've, we're back on our Homestuck grind set. We're reading the epilogues right now. So if you like to keep up with us as we're going through the meat routes, uh, then uh, drop us a few dollars on Patreon. And for $5 a month, you can get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen. All of our bonus content and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Isla Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, and Bree. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network.